With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ready to go the extra mile in a Volvo mild hybrid SUV this summer? No plug-in required. Whether you go to the mountains this summer, the ocean, or somewhere in between. Volvo Mild Hybrid Technology adds to a more refined driving experience so you can summer safely. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com. Hello and welcome to Pardew's Hot Pants. Yes, we are back with the nostalgic spin-off from the five-year plan podcast. We've been away for a while, but we are back with a bang. I'm Jim Daly, and of course, joining me on Pardew's Hot Pants Volume 16, we have Richard Foster and Jesse Boyce. Richard, hello to you. It's been too long. It has. We're on Volume 16. Yes. Where have our lives gone? Where have they gone? (laughs) Have we really been using our time wisely on this earth? Yes, I think we we absolutely have. Absolutely, definitely. No, no, I'm nodding furiously. We're going to use it No one can see it, but I'm nodding. (laughs) The next hour is going to be used very wisely. We're doing a clip show this week. We're all bringing our favourite clips. This is going to be fantastic. Uh, Also here is the one and only J-Dog himself, Jesse Boyce. I'm so sorry being away for so long, Jesse, but it is good to see you again. Thank you very much. Obviously, pleased to see you both again. Um, it's very typical palace of us to serve up some nostalgia just when nobody needs it at all. <laughs> and uh, everyone everyone is living comfortably in the present. Um, so we're, we're being very on brand and uh, looking forward to it. Absolutely. You can never, you can never have enough nostalgia. Surely, even even if Palace win the Premier League, I think we'll uh, we'll look back at the times and we were crap because that is typical Palace. <laughs> Before we do that, um, we've got some admin. No, do you know what? Actually, I'll do the sponsor first. We'll, we'll do our sponsor. So this week we are supported on uh, the Pardew's Hot Pants series by Manscaped, the best in men's below the waist grooming. Don't leave your downstairs looking like Jed and Axe beard. Keep it as smooth as AJ's head with the leaders in Richard like that one with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. Join the 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FYP20. Now, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 comes with their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which features cutting edge ceramic blade reduced uh, to reduce grooming accidents downstairs, uh, thanks to their advanced skin safe technology and a 4000K LED spotlight. I, I don't know if that's good or bad. It sounds a lot and it does work. I've used it. Plus, it's waterproof, so ideal for trimming in the shower. The Performance Package also comes with a Weed Whacker. Great name. Sounds like a wrestling name. Um, it's an ear and ho- nose hair trimmer, which I can personally vouch for, um, which has a 9,000 RPM 
motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Try saying that after a few in the portions. Um, to provide proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Uh, you'll also get a Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, and two free gifts in their performance package 4.0. The Manscaped boxers, um, which Richard, I actually wear to play football in. They're excellent. Um, and yeah. uh, the Shed travel bag, which is very lovely as well. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code FYP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FYP20 at manscaped.com. This is the best bit, Richard, really for this. Make your balls a priority this autumn and choose Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Now, uh, we're delighted to have Manscaped on board. I believe they sent you, obviously I've mentioned there, I've used the the the, the, the stuff. Um, they've sent you some as well, haven't you? You're a big fan of Manscaped. I am, I am. And I think it's, I don't know whether this was intentional, but the fact that we're doing clips and we're sponsored <laughs> by Manscaped. Very I mean, nice. that's that's pretty good. Very like, good. Well done, Jim. Well done for doing that. It's a complete, complete accident. But there we go. Yeah, no, I'm very happy with my Manscaped products. And um, I've been whooping around the house ever since. <laughs> Fantastic. It's They're really, really good quality. They are good. Very no, nice. I, I would endorse them fully. Fantastic. Right. So, uh, manscaped.com, 20% off and free shipping with FYP20 as your code. Get involved now um speaking of getting involved uh on the 11th of november that's a thursday night at 7 30 p.m we have the next fyp live podcast the pandemic is over it's only the third time we've moved this date it's finally happening we're going to have an fyp q a like before and then a very special legendary palace guest who we're keeping quiet for now i'm hoping we're going to just reveal him on the night like we did with paddy mccarthy last time which was an amazing moment uh he's a palace legend and uh, obviously, all your FYP team will be there as well. Jesse, you'll be there, I think, on the night as well. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. I remember the last one, it was fantastic and um, really great venue as well. Yes, it is a fantastic venue. The Streatham Space Project, which is in Streatham Hill, right by the Streatham Hill station. Uh, tickets are £10 each. Um, there's not many left. So they went on to sell to patrons first and they snapped up quite a lot. But they're, they're on general sale now. If you go to eventbrite.co.uk, and search FYP Podcast Live. Get your ticket now. I think they're going to sell out pretty soon. Um, something else we need to promote is the return, Richard, of the patron quiz. Yes. Something else that we have neglected in recent months, but it is back September the 26th. It's a Sunday evening, 7 p.m. kickoff, available to patrons only. So you've got to be a member of our patron at patron.com forward slash FYP Podcast. You are quiz master. What can we expect this time uh, around? Questions. Um, yeah. answers yeah uh, hopefully and, and scores that's, that's right I'm not, i don't want to go too far into detail here but that's that's pretty much the sum of it it's always a good fun doing your quiz and uh we get some very familiar faces turning up as well and we have a, and we have a good fun indeed so please if you like quizzes it's on zoom i forgot to mention that so it's a zoom yes. based fyp patron quiz uh 7th uh, sorry september 26th uh 7 p.m Details on the patron page now. So check your patron page. I'll send out another reminder uh, in the days leading up to that uh, with a Zoom link to join. Because I bumped into Mark Silverstein before the Tottenham game. He was FYP legend. selling FYPs. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I was on the phone, but I couldn't talk to him. And I think now I, every home game I go to, going back to superstitions, I'm going to have to bump, bump into Mark Silverstein because <laughs> obviously it was quite a good result. We're going to have to all do whatever we did. On that Spurs day. I almost ran over Steve Browett. Did I tell you that? <laughs> no, really? I was coming, I was driving down sort of, um, sort of tooting way. Don't know before tooting, sort of that common there. Yeah. And Steve Browett ran across the road. 
And I just wow. thought, wow, where's, why is he running? And why is he running across this road? Um, and the other beautiful superstition about that game was, you know, suddenly, I don't know if you did, you have to park now. There are permits, so you can't yeah. actually yeah, yeah. park anymore. I parked in a bay. It said TH for Tottenham Hotspur. Oh. So now the next game is obviously Brighton. So I'm going to have to find a bloody permit with BH on it to make BHA. sure we win. BHA. Even. Wow. Good luck with that. Jesse, did you do Thank anything you. on that day, this first day, you're going to have to now replicate? Or fleeced at the club shop. So, uh, <laughs> that's a regular occurrence. Yeah. I mean, that, that could, yeah, <laughs> that could get expensive. But if, it, if I was guaranteed three points per game, I, I'd consider it. Um, no, I took my son back to his first game since his first game. So it's obviously a second game. Wow. Um, and his, his first game was the last game before lockdown against Watford, where uh, PVA scored that free kick and he's been obsessed with PVA ever since keeps asking me about PVA and doesn't, <laughs> oh. seem, doesn't seem to have taken it in that he's now left and um, told him that he's gone to Turkey which is where my mum has a little place so he's like oh where, where Nana lives yeah, like, yeah he's gone to live where Nana lives and uh, so yeah he was del- he's been bugging me for 18 months why I only ever took him to one game never quite got it so he was actually really chuffed to be there on Saturday so he's got 100% record his one nil and three nil. Um, wow! I don't know if I'm setting him up for a a, a really big fall. Um, he what's what's the next game you're going to take him to, Jesse? Well, he can't come to Brighton because he's only it's five. Night, yeah, yeah. Um, unless uh, he can't make it, he has a birthday party. I need to also need to. I, I need to um, have rolling subs with the kids. Basically, just taking it. Whoever's whoever's not got commitments, uh, I'm bringing with me. But yeah, I'll let you know when his next game is because we're. Yeah. Might, want to, might want to put some money on it. <laughs> well, also let Patrick Vieira know because he'll obviously um, respond uh, positively. To well, that. and also let Richard know so he can find a parking space that's got whatever that team's yeah. letters yeah. are, and then we can make sure we're ticking all the boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard, really quickly, then before we wrap on uh, part one and go to our clips, um, what's the latest happening on the footballmind.com? Well, actually, this week uh, I'm addressing the issue that. Uh, Arsene Wenger has come up with this brilliant idea to do the World Cup every two years. Mm. Uh, I'm going to leave it as that, but I'm very proud to say that in the piece, I managed to combine Arsene Wenger with Mae West. Okay. You don't say that that often, do you? So slightly teasing. Okay. So if you want to know how the hell I linked Mae West to Arsene Wenger, Read the football mind as of tomorrow, Friday, the 17th. Uh, I heard an interesting podcast talking about this t- uh, World Cup every two years. What about May West and Arsene Wenger? <laughs> what, no. I, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry, the, um, the every two years thing. Yeah. Because I can't, I'll find it for you, Richard, because obviously it'll be of interest. So, mm-hmm. essentially, uh, the premise being that FIFA are jealous of UEFA for. <laughs> making so much money with the Champions League and the Euros yeah, uh, annually and every fourth year. And FIFA has only got every fourth year they, they have a jackpot. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically them to cash in a little bit more every two years and take a bit more of the piece of the pie that UEFA's got. So quite interesting when you look at it that way. Yeah, no, it's it's actually FIFA and UEFA it makes Palace Brighton look like a tea party. They absolutely <laughs> hate each other and they would do anything to screw the other one. So that's I am uh, yeah. I've been complete shocked, Jesse, that you would insinuate that FIFA are driven by money. I can't believe that. <laughs> and yeah. and and on uh, by the same token, how has it taken them this long to f- to sort of 
get these ants in their pants about this? Why haven't they thought about this years ago? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, the Euros have been going since 1960. So, I mean, it's, it's you know, we are now 60 years in. So you'd have thought they might have tweaked it before. It's not going to happen though, is it? I mean, already already clubs and players and managers are saying it's too much. Yeah, you could say that, but the, the the clever thing that FIFA do is that they get all the federations who've got absolutely no chance of quality. So they, you know, they get the Sri Lankan FA and they get the Bangladeshi FA and the Nepalese FA, and they get them on board, and they only have need so many votes to force these things through. I mean, you consider that they've increased the number of teams to the World Cup, not for the Qatar one, but for the one after. It's gone up to 48 teams. What? Yeah. It'll be 48 teams when it's in the States. It's 32 at the moment. They did a feasibility study. The feasibility study came out 100% to say 32 is the perfect number. Yeah. That's what they did. They then increased it to 48. How often is, is AFCON? Uh, every two years two, isn't it yeah yeah maybe it's inspired by that a little bit they've seen that that's possible yeah i mean wenger's sort of rationale to say is that you would then get all the qualification into certain i think he said it was i'm thinking i'm right saying it's october and march and then you wouldn't have any other international breaks so you just have october and march to do the qualifying hmm. and then you're you know you can have your domestic sh- stuff going on you know, uh, apart from that, which makes some sort of sense. But the whole point is you can't just chuck that in and then say, oh, yeah, well, what we do is we'll have a World Cup every two years. Because also it bumps into the Women's World Cup and there's something called the Olympics, which apparently is quite popular. I don't know. I haven't really heard about it. The plus side for Palace uh, when there's a a 48-team World Cup is we'll probably increase our number of international players at World Cups. That'll give you some nice nuggets for an article there. Richard. Thank you, Jesse. Yeah, I can hardly wait. <laughs> well, I'm also thinking as well, because you know, you know you get these these, these tiny nations like Sealand, which are basically like uh, yeah. people that live on an oil rig, isn't it? I think in the Irish Sea or something. I feel like that's increasing my chances of playing in the World Cup. I feel like I could... Well, there are, there are 211 countries in FIFA's uh, fiefdom. Right. So it's a quarter of a quarter of the world, essentially, is going to play in the World Cup. Nearly, yeah, nearly. No, yeah, effectively, yeah. Good, good match. Oh, we got a chance, boys. We could form <laughs> FYP land or something. Yeah. I think we got a chance of qualifying. Well, anyway, that's a uh, plan for another pod. Yeah, we could dream. Um, let's wrap up part one then. After the break, uh, we're going to start picking some random palace clips. Shut up, baby. Let me see where you're coming from. Shut up, baby. Let me see. Hey, it's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. At Vast National Bank, we value our billions of customers. Whether you're in Dubai or Tokyo or just London, we care. So bank big with us. Sure, your local community bank may seem friendly and helpful. Their small business loans may even help your town grow and prosper or whatever. But would they help you liquidate an offshore account to bedazzle your private jet? (laughs) No. 
Bank with a community bank and help your community grow. Find yours at banklocally.org. Welcome back to Pardew's Hot Pants, a nostalgia spin-off from the FYP podcast sponsored by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FYP20 at manscaped.com. Right, Richard. So we decided to go for a clip show this week. I will say inspired by the socially distant sports bar. If anyone listens to that podcast, well worth listening to. Superb pod and a great format. We thought we'd try it here uh, with a palace theme. So we're going to pick two clips each that we're all going to uh, have a look at. We've got some well-known ones and some random ones. Let's start off with a classic from you, Richard. Why don't you introduce your first clip? The first clip, um, I believe, would be the FA Cup semi-final in 1990. Absolutely right. I'm going to drop in. The, I'm going to drop in the audio now. Uh, That's good. So the, the audio play, and we'll come straight back to you, and you can uh, you can tell us why you've chosen this. Thank you very much. Man intercepting. Rush going to the left now. Onside. Ian Rush. Liverpool take the lead. The ace goal scorer once again makes it look so easy. Well, let's see what Palace can do about it now in the second half as they attack the whole end here at Villa Park. John Pemberton, a lovely run early on. And a chance for Barber and Venison. And it's a shot. And it's there by Bright. It's Mark Bright straight from the kickoff. After John Salako's shot didn't quite get there, Bright certainly did. And Palace are level. What a dramatic start to the second half. And now they've waved Andy Thorne up as well. Andy Gray has placed the ball. That's his cross. And Bright's there. O'Reilly's there! And Palace! Are they in front? Yes, they are! Staunton to Venison. Right across the goal. from here extra time perhaps I don't know where we're going but I'm certainly enjoying it John well you I think Terry 40,000 inside the ground and millions at home what a football match Beardsley oh look at this Staunton penalty Pemberton on Staunton George Courtney has pointed the spot and Pemberton is distraught well I'm not sure about that from here Staunton is in the box, there's no doubt about that. But was he pushed? Well, the referee couldn't have been closer, could he? Barnes scores. The goalkeeper went the right way, but the kick was true in the corner. And Liverpool lead by three goals to two. And from being 2-1 up, Palace are suddenly jumped on their backsides and can't really believe what's happened to them. Most of all, Pemberton. Thomas. And Bright's in there. And Thomas! Staunton! Gray! Gray! 3-3! Andy Gray for Palace! They're back in it! And Liverpool's defence all over the place. I remember this day quite well because 
for some unknown reason, we had a party the night before in uh, where I was living in West Hampstead. So I had to get up some ungodly hour because it was a 12 o'clock kickoff, if you remember, at Villa Park. And uh, it's never a great idea to drive up on the hangover. <laughs> it was brutally hot, you know, driving up the M1, then the M6. And, um, you know, there's a sort of carload of us, four or five of us. And obviously we went with not too much expectation because it was, you know, obviously the season of the 9 nil. Uh, and we got to Villa Park, and there it was, and all great, up in the Holt End. And the, the thing is, I remember Kevin Day telling me this story, and, and a few others have told me the story about the pre-match entertainment was about police dogs. Yeah. Okay, so there was a Palace police dog and there was a Liverpool police dog going over one of those courses, you know, that they do where they jump over things and uh, attack uh, hoodlums or whatever it might be. Um, the Liverpool one went over the course like it was a greyhound all the way through. So the two, two seconds later, there it was, you know, with a trophy in its mouth. The Palace one didn't look like a greyhound. It looked more like a rat. It went the wrong way. It then sort of struggled around and then buggered off to another corner and didn't even finish the course. And we thought, is this possibly an omen? And at half time, when we were one nil down to Ian Rush, we were all, I just remember very clearly going to the loo and everyone was saying, I reckon if we keep it to three or four, that would be quite respectable. And then, you know, we've got our mojo back. It'd be fine. Of course, first minute of the second half, Pemberton goes on that ridiculous run, bish, bash, bosh, pinball, bright smashes it in. And then after that, it is probably the most extraordinary hour and a bit of my life. Just went, you know, just shock after shock. We took the lead for goodness sake. And I was going, this will never last. And sure enough, McMahon smashes it in for the equaliser. And then they get the ridiculous penalty and it's all over. It's, you know, 80 odd minutes. It almost felt like going home, but I would never leave a game early. Just, just stick it out. Andy Gray. Andy Gray. You have to love Andy Gray. Pops up, knocks it in. Bedlam. Three all. What is going on? Too hot. So hungover now. It's just ridiculous. And then obviously Super Al uh, pops up, does it again. And we just think this isn't real. This really, I've never felt quite as giddy. Um, and obviously we then started drinking again, which didn't help. But it was the most ridiculous 120 minutes I've ever, ever experienced. And I don't think I'll ever experience anything like it again. But thank God for it, because in a way it created the club that we're, we are today. It took us to that another level. We got to an FA Cup final. I know we've done it again since, but it was suddenly... We broke Liverpool, and Liverpool were, let's face it, a brilliant side then. They won the league, uh, and this was obviously going to be part of their double. And, and we just did that cocking the snoop thing that Palace do so well. Uh, and it will always be my favourite game. I can't imagine another game that's ever going to usurp that. So that's my diatribe on that particular clip. Yeah. Well, I should also say, I can't believe I didn't tell you this, but it's obviously the game that inspired the name of this series, this, this podcast series. 
Partridge's hot pants. Because yes, the first thing I noticed, I made a few notes, was, my God, those shorts are tight. <laughs> they are so short. And they were slightly checkered, weren't they? It was a little, yes. yeah. I mean, Jess is very good at detail on kit, but there was slightly checkered shorts. Yeah. What would you say? Yeah, I'd say the shorts back in the day, although they were worryingly short and hot pant-like, Hmm. Um, they didn't come it feels like shorts and socks these days are a bit of an afterthought all the attention goes on the shirts and they're very plain especially in palace's case they're very plain they could i've bought kit, kits for my kids over the last few years you could not tell which shorts yeah, and yeah. socks are from what year yeah yeah. yeah you're right there was a little bit more love that went into the designer's shorts or maybe not the length um, <laughs> well you used to get didn't you back in like the 80s certainly you used to get shorts were pop we have designs that were continued onto the shirt i'm thinking of like that coventry one with the, yeah. the drain pipes that go down the side yeah, the yeah. liverpool the, the liverpool adidas ones where they had the three stripes on the shirt and then the three stripes on the shorts like shorts were mm. part of the whole package i can't particularly think of any palace ones that maybe designs overflowed or oh, i'm thinking though jesse from a design point of view why have we never done red and blue striped shorts well i mean there's only so much you can do with stripes, Jim. I mean, <laughs> but they, I think well, that myth has been broken, I, I think, in the last few years. But, yeah, I think it's about time we tried something a bit more interesting with the shorts, don't you? Yeah, I'd love to see that. I mean, I don't know if it might look terrible, but, you know, you have to you have to try these things. But, yeah. You know, you, yeah. You, know that, you know that if they did it, they'd see record short sales simply yeah. because they were different to yeah. recent years. We've been missing we've been missing red ones for a while, haven't we? Yeah. 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 I'd rather oh diagonal. Diagonal red and blue stripes to to, to Ooh, match. No, you might get a bit giddy again there. You might feel a little bit weird. Well it might make the opposition go giddy and then oh, could, that's true. We could <laughs> I mean, yeah, the kid I just thought the shorts were yeah, unbelievably tight. I got quite a few notes on this because obviously I've I was too young to go to this game. I was six at the time, I think. So and I grew up as a Palestine, and my first game was 92 in the early 90s, hearing about this game and hearing about the final and hearing about that team and wishing I was 10 years older that I could mm. have witnessed and been part of all that that era. Because I literally became Palestine once we started being terrible again and we're back down on the on the slide. So I've watched this game so many times and dre- dreamt about, about being there. And I can't, some of my notes are, I can't quite believe the noise. I don't know if it's just broadcasting equipment isn't as good at the time but the noise from there just seems cacophonous i mean it's it's unbelievable was it the same at the time yeah yeah definitely um i mean the the classic thing is when um liverpool took the 3-2 lead and everyone just assumed that was all over then uh and they were doing you'll never walk alone when gray gets the equalizer and they all all the scarves are up and they're selling boof yeah but i'm sure i've i've never found this clip but I'm sure I've seen one where, you know, one of the goals is a great celebration. I'm sure I saw someone upside down with their feet in the air. And it could have been me because I was, yeah, I was all over the place. I was emotionally a wreck, uh, but, you know, never never been so happy. And, it, yeah, you, you know, the, the whole thing with that day was that the ridiculous thing was the next semi-final. This was, by the way, the first semi-final FA Cup that had ever been televised live. Okay, and it was on the same day as the other one, wasn't it? Man on the BBC, it was a twelve, and then the following one was Older Man United, which, funnily enough, ended in a three-all draw. Three all, yeah, and the, you've never had such semi-finals again, and you probably won't. It was four-three upset, three-all, Oldham holding Man U. I mean, you couldn't dream of it, and you, you might as well have given up if you're going to do that as your first televised. 
player a game. You're never going to do it again, so you might as well stop. Yeah, it's probably the best. It's probably the best afternoon. There was there was a there was an afternoon during the Euros this summer where it was France, Switzerland, and there was another yeah, game, yeah, yeah, Spain, yeah. someone that was like four or four or three or. But people were saying that's the Spain, best afternoon. Croatia, yeah, that's Spain, right. Croatia. That's the best oh. afternoon of football since the 1990s semis. Yes. Um, Jesse, you have, we you put the marker down, you see, yeah. and others follow. But you're right, there are so many things that stem from this. You're right, the downfall of Liverpool pretty much stems from here for, for the next 18 years. The, the rise of Crystal Palace, the rise of, weirdly, Man United, who obviously sort of mm. then win it, and then they go on to have this dominance of football. There are so many things that stem from this game. It is actually, Jesse, one of the most probably important games and results in English football. Yeah, I mean, I was personally a bit annoyed because I think I'm, I've been so... Uh, sort of indoctrinated by all the footage and all the nostalgia, um, all sort of throwbacks we've seen that I actually don't remember much about my first-hand experience of it. I was only 12, 11 or 12 at the time. So that's all been obliterated. I remember being at school the day after and there being an absolute frenzy about it because everyone came out, all the Palace fans came out of the woodwork because we <laughs> got to the final. And that was the first time it was kind of cool to support Palace, I think. Mm. Or at least we're less ridiculed anyway, because we'd beaten a big team in a big game to get through to a huge final. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it was for me the sort of start of big things are possible with Palace kind of thinking. Or well, the first experience, that, 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 that first-hand sort of memory that that was possible. Mm. Yeah, I think, it, I think it definitely put Palace on the map and did. Yeah, I think you're right. Made Palace cool. They had a very cool team, though, didn't they? I mean, I made a note that the Andy Gray header is one of the most satisfying goals you'll see. I think obviously it's it's a little head it's for three or it's a little header literally from a yard out. But there's yeah. something about the way the ball bounces up off Hanson possibly, and the way that Gray leaps so quickly comes out of nowhere above him. Obviously, mm. as you're a Palestine, you enjoy it more than anyone else. It's a really satisfying goal right in front of the fans. There's limbs everywhere. What a moment that is, I think, to, to watch back. I, just, I really enjoy watching that goal. Almost more than the Pardew one. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And actually, Andy Gray, I interviewed him once, and he said that that was his most satisfying goal because he anticipated what was going to happen. Because yeah. it, was, it, was, it was really hard. It was Villa Park, and it was really hard, and things were bouncing around, and obviously... Half our goals came from things bouncing around in the area. But um, he just said, I anticipated someone was just going to knock it up in the air. And he's there at the right moment. Bish, bash, bosh. So, um, you, Richard, you mentioned the penalty that Steve McMahon... No, did McMahon win the no, penalty? No, Barnes Staunton. Steve Barnes. Staunton wins the penalty. Also oh, yeah, he wins the off Pemberton, yeah. Off Pemberton. I've got my notes here, and I've always thought this ever since I've watched this back. It is never a penalty. No, 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 no. And also, John Pemberton almost throttles George Courtney, the referee. I mean, if he did that now, he'd be banned for six years. But um, no, I mean, he, Staunton just literally goes over and Pemberton's hardly touched him. And yeah, that was, it was such a sickening feeling because we'd done so well and just thought, oh, this is typical palace to uh, use a phrase. Um but yeah, we stuffed it back down their throats and um, let's hope we do it again in a couple of days' time. Oh, yeah, good timing, actually. Um, oh, no, actually, this is going out after the Liverpool game. So. Oh, okay, right, sorry. So hang on, let's rephrase that. And isn't it great that we stuffed them again? <laughs> 21 yeah. years later. That um, 91st minute winner at Anfield <laughs> from uh, 
Uh, Edward's fourth goal, wasn't it? He I think it was the fourth. Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. Similar to Gray's header, wasn't it? Sort of yeah. pops up in front of Van Dyke. Um, Jesse, it's, it's never a pen, is it? Mm, no. <laughs> See, I think, you know, let's just be grateful of uh, the sort of slack officiating back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's another video clip of this game that I've seen. It might be the extended version, but it doesn't include these bits on, I don't think, on the clip that you sent over. And I may have made it up. I feel like when the Padre goal goes in, there's, there's Bedlam. You can see Andy Gray wheeling away. Mm. Um, I think Andy Gray's at the corner, didn't he? And I think Andy Thorne flicked it on at the front That's post, right. I yeah. think. Um, but there's a clip of, of Koppel running down the line, isn't he? Doing that with his yeah. wrist. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Doing, doing that sort of like, oh, sick yeah. lad. Um, and also, I believe, maybe it's at the final whistle, there's a there's an Ian Wright on crutches. On the pitch because he obviously broke his leg like not long before that. There's so much going on in this. In this, yeah, the weird thing about Wright is he's in a bloody great coat. It, it was a really hot day, you know. It was April, and you know you could get hot days. And he's he's wearing this thick coat, and you're thinking, what are you doing, man? He should be in a t-shirt or something. But um, yeah, there were many scenes, and there was that famous story about Coppola and Alan Smith. As everyone was celebrating after the final whistle, they just went back to the dressing room and just sat there whilst everyone, you know, lapped it up. And they found the kit man, a guy called Spike Hill, who was just in the changing rooms, just sobbing because he was just so, A, emotionally exhausted, but also so happy. Uh, And then all the players came back in and there were Coppola and Smith apparently just sitting in the team bath, just chilling. (laughs) Football was just so different back in the day, wasn't it? Isn't it? It's just mad. I've been in the current Palace changing room a few times and um, there's no bath. It's so disappointing. It's just normal showers. Yeah, no, no team bath? I don't, the team oh, bath yeah. is not a thing anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, Malcolm Allison based his whole career on the fact that he had, <laughs> you know, the Dolly Birds in there, didn't he? And Fiona Richmond. And <laughs> well, I, but also you could have, I mean, thankfully, thank, uh, thank God football's moved away from that kind of thing. But um, yes, no, you can yes. imagine there was team talks done in baths, you know, and after, after, when champagne poured in the bar, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. just think, yeah, that would be, I don't know, football's lost. Do they, they got no what, team bars anywhere? anywhere. Wembley probably don't have them. Do they? Have you seen, have you seen, the, have you seen the new Fever Pitch program on iPlayer? Yeah. Yeah. That, seen, that yeah. Are, after United, the day United were the coronation of winning the yeah. Fergie's first title, you got Fergie giving people team talks while they're in the bar. It's like going through <laughs> tactics. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a story that I heard on another football podcast called uh, Quickly Kevin, I think. Um, or maybe it was Association Sports Bar. Do you remember Alan Wright, who played for Villa? Left yeah, tiny, left, black, really left small back. fella. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when he then went to play for another club later on, I can't remember which one, lower league club, in their changing room, they had showers, team baths, showers, whatever, cubicles. And then in the middle of the changing room, they had a one-man Alan Wright-sized bath, and it was his individual team bath that only he could fit in, essentially a child-sized bath. Alan Wright's <laughs> own team. You know you've made it, Richard, when you've got your own team bath, or your own individual bath. I think that's a really good idea. I mean, I think they should institute this uh, immediately, that you get your own um, washing facility if you're a club legend. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, I'm going to yeah. make a note for my Vets team on Sundays. Uh, they can yeah. implement that for me, although I'm not really a club legend. Um, Richard, a great first clip. Thank you. That is That has brought back some really lovely memories. Just one more thing I've made a note of. Dalgleish's face. Now, I think it's after the first goal, which is Brighty. 
mm-hmm. it goes to Dalglish's face on the touchline, Jesse, and you can just see him think, oh, f- we're supposed to smash this lot. Or you can see that his face drain. It's a great clip. Especially after the the 9-0 drubbing. I mean, Dalglish probably bet his house on beating us that day. So it was especially pleasing. I just think it's, you know, it's it's it's, it's really quite touching that it's often referred to as the greatest FA Cup game or great, at least the greatest semi for sure. It's, you know, it's routinely referred to as that. Um, and yeah, and just, just really quite poignant, as you said earlier about Liverpool's demise and just how it kind of gave right the, uh, the platform to shine and it, we know sort of made him, didn't it? What, what happened for him next? So extremely pivotal game I wish I just uh, it's a little bit older when it happens just to yeah. sort of appreciate it at the time yeah me too me too um, right okay let's move on <clears throat> right let's move on to uh, Jesse your first clip looking at the time guys we might have to do one clip each from this we might have to save the second clips for another episode because we are overrunning but then when you've got clips this good you just want to keep talking about them so that's understandable we'll go to yours Jesse now this is one that I actually don't remember you've really dug something out of the archives here. Why don't you introduce the clip, we'll play it, and then you can come back and tell us more about it. So introduce this clip for us. Okay, so this is a a kind of program called Behind the Badge with NBC. And I think a few clubs did this. I think West Brom did it and have it on their YouTube channel. But for some reason, on the Palace YouTube channel, there's only a trailer, a one and a half minute trailer for this. Um, But I do, at the time when I saw this, it was about 30 minutes long and, I, and there's an amazing team talk in the middle. Um, it's like a behind the scenes access all areas, but for Pardew's pre-match team talk against Spurs in January, 2016 off the back of a horrific run and typical palace, the cameras have been following him for a month, a barren run of six weeks. Um, I think he all hopes were pinned on getting a good result in this game. Um, and they Pardew allowed them to record his audio, but not the video whilst he's given the pre-match team talk. With kickoff just minutes away, Alan Pardew allows an extremely rare privilege to eavesdrop on his final pre-match team talk. Get yourself ready, just three or four minutes on the process of what we're doing today. Just on the process of what we're doing. We win today, you're gonna have to be our best player today. Because you've got to look after him, Ali, he's a good player. And get on it, Joe. Pass forward if you can. Always on the move, punch, trying to get on the ball, trying to get on the ball, trying to get on the ball, trying to get on the ball. Gonna come in there, gonna stay wide, I'm gonna go in there. You know, I'm always thinking about getting on the ball. Liverpool have won, so you need to win to stay above them. That's how you should think about this game. No other thoughts in your mind. Okay, let's get you in there. Just want to, just want a couple of things I want to just run over. The back four needs to be narrow when we defend. Just be aware, the two centre-halves, that Ali will run into you guys. Don't Joe running into our back four all the time. Scotty, keep him away so we can keep that distance. Otherwise, we end up all flat. We can't get out to the ball, OK? And we've got to make sure we stay on our feet with these guys. They're not going to beat you for pace. They're one-twos. They're looking for clever stuff. Going forward the other way, let's make sure we put these two under pressure today. They were far too easy in the home game, far too easy. So let's make sure, Wilf, and I've been talking to him all week about running in behind. Any kind of possession here, Joe, Macca, Johan Kabai, can we hit it down here and get Wilf running in behind and stretch him a little bit and test him? Remember, the pressing, 
okay right from the start today. So Derby, the fans are desperate, desperate, desperate. They'll be right with you at the start. So let's get right after them, put real pressure on them, and make sure we force an error. And if you switch the play, they cannot press you the way they play. It's impossible. There's no point me saying to Connor, trying to drill it into him, go through the middle of the goal. If we hit the first man punch, Papa, if we hit the first man, I'm going to eliminate the striker. So we've got to miss the first man. We've got to. And even you, Yo, on that little angled one, might want to just pitch one on the back. And if you're in that penalty spot position, you can always pull on them. If you can see it going back to Joe or Macca in the edge of the box, we can do that. Don't worry about that, because we've got plenty of time. Set plays. Damo on Dyer, Scotty on Alderfield, Joe on Vertonghen, Pepper on Son, Wardy on Kane. Wardy, make sure you know where he is, right? Second phase. It's about our attitude, right? It's going to be about our attitude going forward, but also defending. Don't think, well, we've got to score a goal, we've got to score a goal. We've got to make sure they don't score. So get back in your holes and then go and get your goal. Come on, let's go. Good luck, Good luck. Good luck, Joe. Good luck, mate. Good luck, so when I first watched that, I thought this is something I'll definitely want to find again. So I managed to download it and it's on my Dropbox. So when you challenged us to pick out some uh, random clips, Jim, this one came to mind. And obviously I did not put it in an easy to find folder and had to dig for it. But I did find it and um, I think it speaks for itself really, doesn't it? It's just quite a really amazing window into what a pre-match team talk would be like with Pardew. And there's... It's, an, it's just a bizarre video anyway, because you've got Gary Lineker narrating all the way through. It's kind of like all or nothing before all or nothing came to football. Yeah. Um, it was almost like a sort of pilot <laughs> for all or nothing. Um, and probably the most bizarre thing is when uh, Wayne Hennessy is referred to as world-class. You have to watch that. <laughs> it, 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 that. That stuck out. <laughs> but I think what's interesting that to, to sort of... Um, there's a lot to unpack there, isn't there? With Pardew speaking mm-hmm. a million miles an hour for two, three minutes. Well, is um, it? Uh, my first question to you is: Is it? I wasn't quite sure what to expect from a Pardew team talk. Is it what you expected from Pardew? Yeah, because it's got a bit. It's got a hint of Sunday League about it, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. I made a note of that. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's sort of relatable in that sense, but he's definitely got some methods like he he's definitely just the way he, that he delivers he repeats himself several times and i think that must be to try and you know that players will be in their own zone and their own mind in that moment so when he starts to address players like punch he says um try and get on the ball try and get on the ball try and get on the ball like four times then he says something else and then he says it again yeah. at the end like he's definitely trying to get through to separate players um and he says some weird stuff there doesn't he like liverpool have won so you need to try and to win to yeah. stay above them what what the hell was that about i don't know how far down the well, table I, at that point i then got really confused and thought oh is this from the start of that season where we were sort of you know fifth at christmas kind of thing but the liverpool can't have been below us at the table and surely well this would have been sort of 2016, so January, it was January 16. So they might have yeah. been halfway through his yeah. so reign. Yeah. But we're at, the, we're at the point where they were suddenly plummeting yeah. after that good, yeah. after the Stoke game where Chungy scores and Balassi gets injured. With obviously, so maybe Liverpool were below us in the table. And there's a few things he talks about. This sort of what you'd expect him to say to Wilf. You know, I've been telling you all week to get in behind, and then he yeah. says goodbye, Maka, Joe Ledley, 
if you get the ball, get it to Wilf so I can get in behind and test them. That's really interesting just to kind of see him. The bit you said there is just really great because I love picking out how they talk about each other or address each other. So he goes, Joe, Maka, Johan Kabai. Why did you say (laughs) Johan's full name? Yeah, and then things like right from the start, it's a derby, get after them, force an error, and the fans will be expecting it. Uh, and there's, there's no, <laughs> this is my favorite bit. There's no point hitting the first man, Papa. <laughs> <laughs> if you do that, you'll eliminate the striker. I think he meant alienate rather than eliminate, <laughs> eliminate. Uh, the striker. <laughs> like it's a computer game. Like, it'll just blow up if you hit the first man. Um, and then he says, I think he says, conversely, he throws the same feedback to Joel Ward. So it's definitely, it doesn't, it's quite indistinguishable. It must be Joel because I think he's sort of giving fullback instructions. Yeah. He says, if you see the angle, pitch one on the back to Joel. <laughs> so he's, like, he's basically telling Joel Ward and Pub Suarez to swing it into the big man, but without saying it. Yeah. Um, and then the bell goes. Yeah. And then Pardew says, don't worry about that. We've got plenty of time. <laughs> now, there is, there, is, there is no way he would have said that if it wasn't being recorded. Yeah. Right? Because that one is for the microphone because yeah. this is not any player in that room's first team talk like <laughs> they know when the bell goes they've got a couple of minutes well it's the football manager equivalent of the bell is for me not for you yeah, yeah. and it's just but by pointing it out it's part of being self-aware of what he's saying is being recorded yeah and then the bit that is rapid fire and i'm convinced he must have this written down this is the <laughs> thing because you can't see what he's pointing at or so you kind of have to decipher it but he goes after that bell he goes Set plays, Damo on Dyer, Scott on Alderaiwell, Joe on Vertonghen, Papa on Sun, Wardy on Kane. Make sure you know where he is on the second phase. <laughs> and that, so that's the interesting th- thing there is he says, Damo on Dyer, Wardy on Kane. Make sure you know where he is on the second phase. Then you go to watch and see that Harry Kane scores a header against Damo. <laughs> well, so. also, also, yeah. <laughs> he goes, uh, really early on, he says to someone, I'm not sure who, I think it might be Ledley, I'm not sure. He goes, you've got to be on, you've, you've, if we're going to win, you've got to be our best player today. And I was like, yeah. is, it, is it Wilf he's talking to there? I think it might be Ledley because he goes, you've got to go after him. Ali, he's a good player. Then I was like, okay, we're playing Spurs. Deli Ali, so it must be a midfielder. But I think this is a game where Ali scores that absolute worldy. Yeah. yeah, he does. The, yeah, flick over. And uh, as we, you were talking, I did check the league table because I'm that sort of you know person. We had 31 points after 22 games, minus one goal difference. Liverpool had 31 points after 22 games, but minus three. So we were above them. Wow. But we weren't for much longer. Wow. Yeah. There you go. So as, as you can well appreciate, when I've, I'm surprised that this isn't a bit more famous, this clip, than, yeah. uh, than it is. So I'm pleased that I managed to, to download it at the time and uh, pleased to, to have found it in time to, to, uh, to, to sort of talk about today. Oh, it's the ideal clip for today. Thank you for digging it out, Richard. What was your, what was your, okay? What were, what were your expectations from Pards, and what was your reaction? Because I agree with Jesse, and this happens quite a lot when you hear, um, sort of behind the scenes football manager team talks. They are always way more Sunday league, or they are always way closer to what I would get on a Sunday morning than I think. I always think those worlds are so far apart. It's like during lockdown when you could hear the players and at corners, you'd be able to, when there was obviously no one in the stadium yeah, and we could hear Ray Lewington and stuff, you'd be able to hear the keepers going away. I think yeah. surely there's more detailed instructions from goalkeepers there. That's exactly what my <laughs> keeper says on a Sunday. These, our worlds are not that far apart. And this part of your team talk, 
it was very player orientated. So it was a lot of individual things more than like a collective team thing. But it yeah. really wasn't far away from Saturday and Sunday league team talks. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you because you'd expect to have some sort of tactical awareness or acumen. No, it's exactly <laughs> what you get on Hackney Marshes <laughs> at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. And I agree with you about the way in fact, I wrote about the away thing. It was one of my uh, football hates. Goalkeepers, every single time the ball is knocked into the box, they say away. What are they meant to say? Oh, bring it down on your chest, then control it, and then pass it to the left back. Of course, they're going to say away. It's just like, you know, what else can you do? Um, yeah, he, he, you could, you could see how, as a, I mean, Pardew splits lots of camps, doesn't he? And, you know, he did a, a good job. Funnily enough, his first game was against Tottenham at home, wasn't it? Um, yeah. The year before when we actually won 2-1. Um, and he did turn us round because we were in a bit of trouble. But then we it went to pieces and he couldn't control. And, you know, the famous Swansea game. You sort of understand how he can sort of hook people for a little bit. But then you imagine after a while as a professional footballer, you go, is that all you're going to tell me to do? Get on the ball, get on the ball, get on the ball, get on the ball punch. <laughs> it's like, I'm a professional footballer. I know what I'm doing. Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, Illumina, really fascinating. I'd, I'd never seen that before. And it was just something, as you say, you know, they say, oh, you don't often get this. And behind the closed door, because initially you think, oh, I'm actually going to watch this. But as just it's just the audio, but that's enough. You don't need any. You don't need Pardew's face. You can just hear it in his voice. Um, but yeah, really, really fantastic clip, and obviously worked really well as we smashed three one. <laughs> <laughs> so typical, Palace. You're you're right. That you're absolutely right. You can see from that clip how you if if Pardew's new to you as a manager, two, three, four, five, six months in. You would play for him, actually. There's something about the energy there. Even just from the audio, you can feel it. But you're absolutely right. You'd imagine maybe after a while, the way things go goes on, that probably doesn't have the same effect as it did in the first few months of being manager. We can't imagine Guardiola saying to Kevin De Bruyne, get on the ball, get on the ball, get on the ball. <laughs> Kevin, get on the ball. Okay, got it. Thanks. Cheers. Well, well I mean, we, we can literally compare this to the, oh, yeah, the, the City course. All or Nothing. Yeah. Guardiola's team talks there. I don't actually think we ever see team talks, but you see the pre-match talk they yeah. do on the Friday beforehand. They're incredibly detailed and he's got oh, a yeah. big display next to him and he's very passionate. He's all energy. Guys, come on, guys, guys. Yeah. There's a there's so much more there. And it's 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 a real contrast between, you know, I think Pardew is a is a two thousands manager and you know, a, yeah. a 90s player. Guardiola is a much more modern manager and there is clearly more information that is displayed now to players, even though this was only five years ago but there's there's big contrast there but then having said that in the Spurs all or nothing documentary which I, I did find more interesting than the City one ha- when Harry Kane does so that obviously um, Mourinho is manager and Mourinho is doing his yeah. team talks when Harry Kane gets everyone round before they go out the buzzer's gone it's captain's talk it again is really Sunday league come on guys we can do this together fight win go yeah. Harry <laughs> you're, you're England captain I just it's so it's just a funny juxtaposition I think between yeah, do what you expect and what you see. But but yeah, Jesse, you can see, can't you, how people would play for Pardew. And actually, you know, that, three, four months later, we're in the cup final. So, you know, these team talks did work, certainly in cup competitions. Definitely a bizarre season. It was 
Oh, it's, it's unfortunate. I don't think we're really allowed to put the whole video back online. I'm sure it'll get taken down again. No. But um, might be maybe it will surface somewhere. But a couple of other great. They show Pardew at the training ground. They follow him around for the month of January, pretty much. <laughs> if you watch it, there's him trying to encourage Wilf to to. He says something to Wilf in at the training ground, like, "Don't pretend you don't like defending Wilf. Look at that smile on you." <laughs> <laughs> I just can't imagine. Um, really any other manager saying that to him like uh, but it's clearly because he knows the cameras are there it's he brings his inner brent i mean we know he's a bit brent like anyway but when the cameras are there this is this is uh Pardew in complete brent brent zone wasn't he also was it also time when he, he started wearing the green bay packers hat and started quoting brett Favre or something like vince yeah. lombardi vince lombardi wasn't it and you know that's all for the cameras and you have to watch the very end at the very end when the credits are rolling it's Pardew breaking the fourth wall, talking talking to the reporter, the interviewer. He's like, it's probably quite good that you've been following us whilst we've had this terrible run because um, you know if you just if you're winning two or three games on the ru- in a row, it's a bit boring, isn't it? Like, <laughs> there probably wouldn't be much for you to film. I'm not joking. That's what he says. Really? Yeah. Okay. That is so Brent. That is yeah. so Brent. I can't Absolutely now get amazing. David Brent and Alan Pardew. I've never seen them in the room together. Must well, I true. think we used to, when I, we, I think we always used to make that connection. When I was on Palace Radio back in the day when Palace Radio was saying, I had a show on a match day about midday or something, and it was just a chance for me to basically muck around. And I used to play a game that was Pardew or Brent, and I'd just read quotes out, and you had to guess <laughs> if they were Pardew or Brent. Nice. And actually, it was really difficult. People well, could never it. quite get them. It was yeah. so, there was so much overlap. Um, so, yeah, I think. But I, in a way, like I don't want Alan Pardew to be our manager again. And, and, and I was saying on the main pod this week, I really like Vieira's reaction to the win against Spurs. It's so key for me because he's very calm. He plays it down, doesn't get carried away. You can imagine Pards getting carried away with a with a three 0 win over Spurs. But you do, we do need these characters, Jesse, in the game sometimes, don't we? these cartoon characters? And I almost, in a way, do miss Pards a bit, not as manager, but just all the ridiculous Brentisms and everything that came with it. Yeah, it's, it's as a sort of pocket of history. Pards succeeded Warnock's temporary um, management, interim management period, didn't he? Mm. And back to back, the pair of them just, you know, from go, to go from one to the other, just they just dig such big holes for themselves. There's, there's another great clip where Pardew is asked by a reporter in a pre-match presser. Uh, Neil Warnock has um, suggested in the media this week that Palace should sign Charlie Austin this transfer window. And Pardew is seething. Have you seen this clip? No. no. And he says, Neil Warnock? He says, yeah. He goes, well, Neil was the manager here and he didn't do very well, did he? Oh. <laughs> Saucer of milk for table number two. Wow. Yeah. And he says, then he just he sort of doesn't know where he's going with it. So he just says, there's no interest in Charlie Austin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, man, yeah. I do miss parts a bit. Do miss parts. And a bit of Warnock. You miss a bit of Warnock as well, don't you? I didn't. I mean, Neil Warnock was one of those managers that when he was Sheffield United boss, I hated him. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. I think he built a whole reputation around being hated by opposition fans. But then suddenly he was, he, he was our manager. I absolutely fell in love with him. I thought, even second time round, I didn't. We weren't very good. But... Um, I, I didn't hate him. I thought he sort of tried his best. I don't know. I don't. I got time for Neil Warnock. I mean, 
you know, he walks around with a bum bag full of signed photos. That, I mean, <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> but it's also brilliant when they were talking about, you know, um, minute silences and things. And Warnock said, well, when I die, there'll be a minute's booing. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's just got this self-deprecate, you know, because obviously, you know, He's still going, he's at Middlesbrough still. And he, you know, he's, he lives in Cornwall, for Christ's sake. He couldn't get <laughs> further away. And he, he tells this story about, you know, because he said, oh, it's all because of Steve Gibson, the great chairman. And he said, um, I remember when I got sort of talking to him and then I went to my wife and I said, there is a possibility. And she just turned around and said, go on then. <laughs> just sort of like, oh, you're going to put the bins out tonight. Go on then. <laughs> <laughs> this is Sharon, isn't it? Sharon, yeah, Sharon. is almost as famous as he has because he references her all, all the time. The time. Um, all time. What's the story? I think it was Sean Derry that came on the podcast uh, last a couple of years ago with the Butterfield hat trick. He mm. said that Butterfield only played right back because Sharon had a dream that Palace's <laughs> right back scored a hat trick. Oh so Warnock came in <laughs> after he'd done the team for the week. Went, I think yeah, Dougie was playing. Dougie, you're dropped. Sorry. I'm I'm yeah. playing I'm playing Danny at centre forward. I was like, "What are you talking about?" It's like Sharon's had a dream. My right back's going to score a hat trick, and then obviously he did. How true that is, I don't know, but amazing. That Incredible. sounds apocryphal to me, but uh, who knows? Warnock's <laughs> magic. Stand up, baby. Let me see where you're coming from. Stand up, baby. Let me see. Hey, good man. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to Pardew's Hot Pants, the nostalgia spin-off from the FYP podcast, sponsored by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FYP20 at manscaped.com. Right, so for my clip this week, um, I've gone back to 2014. This is a player who's still at Palace. It's Martin Kelly's first interview as Crystal Palace manager. And sorry, it's Crystal Palace player. <laughs> Crystal Palace I don't think player. He, he could have been the manager. <laughs> he might as well be. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's just joined from Liverpool. First interview as a player, and I'll tell you after this clip why I've picked it. Martin, uh, welcome to Crystal Palace. Must be pleased with the move. Yeah, I'm, I'm over the moon. You know, come down. It's a lot of travelling down here yesterday, and I'm glad to have signed and trained this morning. And looking forward to the weekend. When did you first hear about our interest? Uh, you know, I. Heard about things over the start of the summer, but I just wanted to concentrate on on playing again. And over the preseason, I played a lot of games, which is is what I've needed. I've, I've been out fit, but not playing competitively all last season. So, I was playing bits and bobs and 
now's the time at that age where I need to you know crack on and, and play week in week out it must have been a difficult decision for you to leave Liverpool because you've been there your whole career and it's your hometown club yeah it was it was difficult but it's not a surprise because you know the, the whole of last season I was fit and I wasn't playing so that's um, that's why I've had to, to make the decision and and come to a, a, a club like like Palace and you know I've trained once with with the team and they seem a, a great bunch of lads that, that work together along with with you know Tony who's got got them all working together and, and doing the best they, they possibly can. I'm looking forward looking forward to, to playing under under Tony and I'm looking forward to to playing regular football again. So obviously there's Martin Kelly um, being interviewed. I don't know who's doing the interview, but what what made me feel weird is it's very weird now to see an interview that's not done by Chris Grierson. Mm. He's got a very distinctive interview style and voice, El Grio. And um, yeah, it's very weird when it's suddenly someone else. I don't even know who. It doesn't sound like Terry Belfort. I'm not sure who's doing it. Uh, it might have been Johnny Rogers, possibly. He used to be in the uh, he used to be in the media team. And Martin Kelly seems like a very nice guy. He's got his, you know, he's had a transition of hairstyles through the years at Palace, but he's still got a lovely swept back. Hair. I think he's, I think he just chopped off his long locks that he had at Liverpool, didn't he? Sort of, sort of shoulder length hair. And obviously, we now know. In fact, we knew about twenty four hours later that this was the day that Tony Pulis had walked out on Crystal Palace. And I, I literally think it is something like Kelly joins in the afternoon, and by the evening, Pulis goes. And I remember that because mm. I was working at the Daily Mirror at the time on the sports desk, doing the late shift, and it was announced that he'd gone. And so when we had breaking news at the mirror, we'd have to start doing live blogs, which is obviously something that a lot of sports publications do now. And it was always a ball lake if you were doing a live vlog on a late shift because you were the only one there. So you'd have to like keep it going yourself, write the main story, find out what's going on. I remember being doing the World Cup game that summer, just me and a guy called Richard and um, Suarez bit Chiellini. And we just had to like go into full like rats, <laughs> rats on a treadmill. Like, oh God, it was so annoying. So then Pulis happens and I'm like, oh, okay, I've got to do this. But I was also able to offer quite a lot of commentary on it being a Palace fan. So I was able to fill like the live blog with, you know, just my thoughts on it or whatever, pad out the main stories because I knew what was happening. But it, it came so quickly after the Martin Kelly interview that he had to have known that Pulis had gone. And so watching this interview back now, with knowing what we know happened mm. that day, there are actually so many clues, I think, that he knows that Pulis has gone. There's one bit later on. He talks about, you know, uh, it, it, I, I was doing pre-season with Liverpool. I heard interest from Palace, but I wanted to just keep doing pre-season. Palace are a great club. Obviously, I wasn't playing minutes. I want to get minutes here. And then he says, like, and obviously, you know, they're playing well under Pulis. He's got them together. And it's going to be really great to... No, he says, I'm looking forward to playing under Tony Pugh. Looking forward to play. He really stumbles under that, over that line about playing under Pugh. And he does a massive gulp, really sort of slow, dry gulp. <laughs> you think he must have heard about Pugh at that, at that time. I just can't imagine what's going through your head, Richard, when you've just joined a club. I'm assuming we had no sporting director at the time. So I'm assuming at that time the manager does the negotiations or the contract chat or whatever. And then he walks. You must be thinking at some point, is it is it something I said or did? Yeah. Also, he's coming from Liverpool, <laughs> which is, you know, probably a relatively well-run club with, you know, not too many dramas. Uh, and he'd been at Liverpool a long time. You know, he's, he's a scouser, isn't he? Uh, um, and then suddenly to turn up in South East London 
And as you say, Pulis would have been there. You'd have definitely been involved in negotiations. Oh, you know, I'm building this team around you. You're going to be my man. You're the centre-back I really want. And then literally, as the ink dries on the contract, oh, by the way, Tony's off. What? What do you mean he's off? Well, he, he's, he's going. How do you mean he's going? You know, he's only been here, you know, not very long. And I've only been here six minutes and you're saying the manager's gone I mean how he kept it together because as you say when you look at it with the knowledge of the fact that he definitely does he definitely because he's just he he looks slightly shell-shocked doesn't he he's like because normally a new signing is quite up and beat and you know da 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 uh, yeah, as you say, I've been playing in the reserves and I just really want to come to this club. It's like, you're not going to the dentist, Martin. You're coming to a new club. But no, he knew and he must have been thinking, what have I walked into? Because this is just madness. Maybe he actually, the other thing he might do is he might be thinking of his next chess move as a big chess player, as we know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I think he, he lost, was definitely he the, that chess game quite definitely early. the pawn in the Tony Pulis game. Very good. There, there's a, there's an urban myth, Jesse, which obviously is is busted by this very video that I don't know if it's a joke or whatever. But like as Kelly's doing the interview, Pulis is walking behind with his box of stuff, having left his office because <laughs> where they're doing it is actually is actually right by where the office is, the manager's office and the the secretary's office is. Um, obviously, that's not true at all, but. Did you notice watching it second time around with the knowledge of the Pudis thing that y- you could sort of see in his eyes or his face that he is a bit shell-shocked from it? I was qu- wasn't quite sure of the timing of the interview. Uh, I just knew that it was extremely close to the announcement. Um, but I do want to watch it again with that in mind now because what's what, what I did notice is just a total absence of any joy. <laughs> uh, signing for your new club like there's no shirt and scarf it's like somewhere hidden away in the training ground like sort of almost in a, it looks like a gantry yeah it's it's kind of weird where it's where it's happening it's not in the press room is it it's, no no it's on it's the balcony of copescope yeah and I, I know they did yeah. shoot a bit of content there with Chamac and things like so it wasn't uh totally unusual but it just looks a bit tucked away hidden away just very irregular and odd for a new signing to sort of talk to his, to make his very first bit of content with the club. Um, I mean, and he should have been joyful because he was a frustrated um, kind of squad player at Liverpool. As they do mention, it's your hometown club and it's not an easy, easy decision to up sticks and leave your hometown club. I think Hodgson had given him his England debut and, yeah, you know, it's a lot, not a small decision for him to come down and leave Liverpool. Like, I mean, there must have been some sort of guarantee that he was going to be a first team player, at least uh, given the chance to earn, earn his place under Pulis. And so he's suddenly left without a manager, not knowing who the manager is, wondering who he signed for and if he should have left Liverpool at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, I mean, he's, um, I think behind Wardy, he's actually our second longest serving player. Is that right? Yeah. Actually, I, I thought there was something quite poignant about that on Saturday when Edward scored his first goal. He just so happened to peel off towards where I imagine his family or agent was sitting in the main yeah. stand. And that's obviously Joel Ward's part of the pitch. So it was Wardy and Edward embracing yeah. the crowd. It's like our oldest player and our newest player. Hmm. 
coming together. It was something really nice about that. Um, but yeah, I've, I've always felt that Kelly um, was just, he's a very typical Palace signing in the Premier League era, like unfashionable, undervalued, not wanted by other clubs, uh, us managing to pluck him out. A bit like what we've done with Edward, no one touching him because he's purely been playing in the Scottish League. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it felt like it could have turned out better for Kelly. We did a, he's had a couple of good years in the time he's been here. Yeah, he hasn't had... I'm literally just Googling his name now, getting off his Wikipedia. The most... So actually, the most games he played for Palace in the league, in fact, at all, was his first season, 14-15. 31 games, yeah. so pretty regular then, actually. I'm guessing at centre-back alongside... I don't know, Scott Dan? Dan, yeah. Maybe? Um, and then two seasons later, 16-17, he played 29 games in the league. Uh, but then other than that, it's been in the teens, basically. Yeah. One goal, apparently, for Palace in 2015-16, which I'm guessing is the... The Tottenham goal. The Tottenham goal that took us to the quarterfinals, I think. Yeah. Big goal. Yeah. I, I, I've always really liked Martin Kelly. Not not just as a footballer. I think he's actually sort of pretty reliable. He, he He's had a couple of really high-profile stinkers. A, a couple at left back in the Padre season. Pro, actually, probably featured in that documentary. Um, and then obviously the first couple of games under Frank De Boer. I know we're not allowed to say that name anymore. Where particularly the Swansea game at home where he, I mean, the whole team is terrible, but he was particularly poor and gave away the goal for the second or third, I think, passed it to yes. Jordan Ayew, I think possibly. Um, but actually I've always thought he's quite dependable and he does seem, he seems like a really nice guy. And I hope this isn't passing on too much secret information, but people at the club have told me he is, one of the nicest footballers, incredibly down to earth. One of the only few players that I think drives an electric car. I think he's very sort of like um, uh, conscious of that kind of stuff. He just seems like a very likable guy, but it, it just almost a forgotten man. I mean, last season he played literally one minute, Richard, which I think it was the yeah. last minute of the Arsenal game at home. I know. But actually, he is a is a bit of sort of the furniture at Palace. Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? Because. As you say, he started as a regular um, centre back. He, did, he he played a couple of games at right back as well, and did really well. I remember one. I can't remember which game it was, but he he did a really good tackle. You know, one of those tackles that everyone goes, "Wow!" Yeah, he did. I mean, there are lots of tackles tackle. in every game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, it just sort of summed up, you know, the spirit of uh, Kelly and the spirit of the side. I think that. Um, but the fact he's made 154 appearances, not all for us in the Premier League, and never scored a goal. But he did score that goal at Tottenham for the FA Cup, you know, to get us through. Um, what a great goal to score. You know, if you're only going to score one goal, score it in the FA Cup at White Hart Lane. On the road to Wembley, no less. On the road to Wembley, indeed. And um, I think there was also just a, he had a bit of a muddy patch when Pardew persist, persisted with him at left back, didn't he? Yeah. Which is yeah. madness. He's never yeah. a left back. Never. No. There was he always got a left foot, for Christ's sake. Exactly. There was always, and he was just totally targeted by the opposition. It was so obvious that he was a bit lame in that position. Yeah. Um, and there was always just talk of him transitioning from right back at Liverpool in, as he grew up and got more experience to becoming the centre back. We always thought that was his path. But also, we were. We had a lot of players at the same ability level around like Scott Dan. Sacco obviously would be first choice in front of him. Yeah. K- 
Cahill, Tompkins, he's always had competition at the same level or slightly better. So he's been a bit unlucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has been a bit. Yeah, I cause he played a bit in pre-season, I think, didn't he? This this summer, I think, a couple of games. One game he was at right back. I'm thinking of James Tompkins. I feel like he was, a, and he was injured last season. Can't remember. I don't. I don't. I don't know if we'll see much more of Martin Kelly at, at Palace. I don't. No, I don't think which would be a bit of a shame. But just in terms of like your your first day at the job, it's obviously one of the worst possible and it does remind me a little bit of Wilf going to Man United the year before yeah. being Ferguson's last signing and you think you're, you're this 20 year old kid you're going to Man United with, no matter what you think of them as Palace fans big club yeah. playing for Alex Ferguson one of the most famous managers of bringing through youth players and turning them into world class players and then he's gone and you've got David Moyes and it's just and I'd imagine there's you know it's not quite on the same scale but for Kelly on your first day you think okay I'm playing for Pulis maybe he's my kind of manager yeah. and then he goes and you don't know what's happening it's just a uh, yeah I think we forget Richard sometimes that a lot of these things go on in football and you, there, there's a lot of change and a lot of upheaval and players and managers and staff just have to sort of crack on with it but it is a it is a transient world to live in I think oh yeah and you know they're not automatons they're they're human beings you know and they I think people don't quite appreciate that lots of players are probably going through difficult stuff and themselves personally, whatever it might. I mean, there's, I don't know what's going on with Luca, but you know, there's obviously something ha- happened to him personally, why he wasn't playing for the first. He had a family, tra- a family tragedy, a family tragedy. Yeah, there something. you go. So, you know, what goes on behind closed doors? How do, how do we, we shouldn't judge players to say, Oh, he was crap or whatever. If you don't know, he might be going through some really tough times. So I think Kelly comes across, as you say, as a really decent guy, someone who actually thinks about things a little bit. And, you know, I think he's been a bit unlucky. He should, he should have played more games for us. I can't really see him. I mean, Anderson Gay have, have looked good to me and, you know, fingers crossed they stay fit. And, um, but Kelly is a, is a perfectly good understudy for um, centre-back. He could fill in at right-back as well, you know, because Joel might get um, injured and, uh, you know, we don't have that much cover at right-back, in fact, because obviously Nathan Ferguson is yeah. perpetually injured. Has um, Klein signed a deal? Klein? Yes, I think yeah, he was. It, oh. Klein and Klein and uh, Kelly were on the bench on Saturday, I think. Right, okay. So he must have yeah. done, yeah. Okay. But yeah, he, uh, very unlucky. I think he deserves, you know, a lot more. And he, he's just one of those unsung heroes. Well, he's weirdly only f- two more seasons off a testimonial. <laughs> yeah. He's just behind Wardy, basically, isn't he? Which sounds weird for a player that's barely played for Palace, but he has been here a long time. He could easily go to a Watford, a Southampton, uh, obviously a Norwich, any of those teams down there, and be a first-choice centre-back easily in the Premier League. So if that was me, I think maybe I would be, I don't know, trying to leave and, I don't know, play some first-team football. But, I mean, yeah. He's probably a bit scared about moving to a club and then the manager leaving <laughs> the same minute he arrives. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Go, don't get him in. Yeah. <laughs> it's the end of your manager if you get him in. Exactly, yeah. The, the Martin Kelly curse. <laughs> Poor Kells. Well, there you go. That's that's my clip this week. And uh, I think we should officially say we do send a lot of love to Martin Kelly. We are Martin Kelly fans. Absolutely. 
on the Absolutely. podcast. And actually, do you know what? Maybe we'll try and get him on the podcast sometime. He seems like a very nice guy, and we've we pretty much worked our way through most of the Palace squad. So you can um, ask you can ask him about that video, Jim. We can he, ask him. Yeah, yeah. Right, there you go. We'll, we'll make that one of our missions. Maybe you have on. a live chess game, and he <laughs> yes. can talk us through it. We'll get. Life chess with Martin Kelly. There you go. That is a podcast uh, that we're go. going to try and make happen. Um, so there you go, guys. That that brings to the end. I know we're going to do two clips this week, but um, we've we enjoyed our first clips too much. We'll do a part two to this episode. We'll do our second clips. We do have them all lined up already. Um, another time, maybe next month, we'll come back and do another uh, party's hot pants clip special. We hope that you've enjoyed listening to that uh, walking down memory lane and enjoying those clips with us. Um, so it just remains for me to say jesse thank you very much for joining us um see you again soon absolutely always a pleasure jim and you richard well good to see you as well jesse it's been it has been a while hasn't it it's been a couple of months so um need to get back into the groove we do absolutely. we do and we will i apologize for the uh the sort of the radio silence in the summer guys but uh i had a sort of strangely busy summer and it sort of came and went really quickly and then suddenly it was august again uh but we are back into our groove now with the main pods and the pod extras and we will crack on with the hot pants as well and we will definitely come with part two from our clip episode so thank you very much for listening i know that people really enjoy these nostalgia episodes so uh please do let us know if you've enjoyed this episode get in contact if you've got an idea for a future nostalgia themed hot pants episode contact at fypfanzine.uk is our email let us know what you'd like us to talk about in the future and of course go to manscape.com uh, and enter the code fyp20 for your 20 percent off uh, manscape products and free shipping get on that as soon as possible uh, so that's it thanks very much for listening we'll see you again soon another on another parties hot pants episode uh, very soon until then take care bye-bye <laughs> When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. Podcast Network.